0: Over millions of years, the human body has evolved to, to survive and to respond to any kind of stimulus and injury in an adaptive and healing way. And so these tiny little kind of minuscule injuries it can induce or incite this fundamental systemic response in the body.
1: Welcome to the HGW Podcast, where your hosts, Zoe Sakudis and Erica Haas, founders of Blueprint Cleanse the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation.
2: We'll bring you behind the scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this
1: rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise to bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt,
2: just the cold pressed truth about real ways you can feel better mentally, physically and emotionally.
1: And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing
2: five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a
1: friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. (laughs) Oh, Erica. Go on, <laughs> I'm listening. I know. I just really drew a blank. <laughs> okay, so my we, mind is clear. My mind is empty. Your mind is zen. Yeah, it is it's like you're, a good place to start. It is a good place to start. It's like you're meditating right now. It's just starting from zero. There's a little bit of drool coming out of your mouth, <laughs> but that's good. That's a good place to be. That's funny because that's kind of what I do when I get acupuncture. Is I put on a headset while always. 50 or so needles are in my body. I like to put on a headset, you know, just when I'm getting dressed in the morning. Just chat. It just makes me feel like I'm connected. Uh, Yeah, but uh, this is what's so great about acupuncture is that you can also have a lovely like 45 to an hour long meditation while you're doing it. Yes. And this is why I love Paul (laughs) Kempisti, who is the acupuncturist Chinese medicine, like mad genius that we interviewed and who
2: you're about to listen to. What is it that you think is like, What? why do you find him to be so good?
1: So when you go and you sit with an acupuncturist, they kind of do all these things like take your pulse and look under your tongue and then like scribble a bunch of things down. And sometimes I don't really get enough information. You know, it's like if you go to a shrink and they're just like, hmm, they start writing things down. And you're like, what the fuck are you writing down? (laughs) Right.
2: Have you gone for like specific need cases or more kind of general, addressing general things?
1: Um, Yeah. So my first introduction to acupuncture was like in, I don't know, 2000, like 40, Fourteen, when I was like, okay, I'm gonna try and conceive now, and then I like, you know, a few months later, I was like, why am I not pregnant? And I freaked out and I ran to like an acupuncturist, but worked, but not Paul. No, so this was an acupuncturist at the time who I went to specifically for infertility, or quote unquote infertility, or as I know now, just panic and, um, yeah, and impatience, Uh, and so that was really useful. And then, obviously, two kids later, my body is broken. <laughs> so I have like the craziest, uh, like diastasis, you know, which is like the separation of your mm-hmm. abdominal. Erica's like, oh my god, if I have to hear the story no, one I'm more time, familiar with it
2: more than I should be, considering I, I have no children.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so it's definitely like really, you know, it's like your pelvic area is like responsible for so many things in your body. And I think like, you know, when it's destabilized, it causes a lot of problems. So I wanted to fix it and I want to address it and it's really hard. But so yes, Paul, unfortunately had to see the train wreck that is my abdomen right now. (laughs) (laughs) looks like something between like a Sharpay and a (laughs) (laughs) good God, I don't even know what, and a herniated belly button. It's just tragic what's happening. All your bits are, all your inner bits are on the outside. All in my midsection. Anyway, but it's been, and then it's that, but it's also just general, like overall health. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a good thing to check in and see where you're at.
2: I mean, I've gone for acupuncture specifically for stress. Well, not just specifically for stress. I did for stress and I did for, I've had my own, abdominal traumas that kind of then created like some digestive issues. And yeah, I think I was very, very, very nervous. I'm not a needles person at all. I've had like massive, terrifying surgeries, but I can't handle getting blood drawn. And so I found my way to a um, our, our friend of the pod, Paige, who I adore and who I really liked her approach and her gentle touch and all of that. And I think it's such an important trust relationship that you have to have with anybody who's poking your bits. But yeah, so I've gone for those those types of issues and, and questions. So we go deep in this episode. Oh, that sounded
1: gross. sorry. Yeah, a little bit. We, 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 Whoa. <laughs> that sounded so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about my vagina. No, so we talk about obviously hormone imbalance, but specifically PMS and fertility and menopause. And Paul does an amazing job walking us through those things and explaining how acupuncture and Chinese medicine can help address all of them. I think we should just let him take it from me. All you. right, fine. <laughs> take it away, Paul. Kempisti. <laughs> I love acupuncture. Hi, Erica. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Paul. Hi, guys. Hi, Paul.
0: Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so here we're here with Paul, Kempisti, and... He's like the most amazing acupuncturist I've ever had in my whole life. Oh, shucks. I mean, for real. Sorry, everyone else. Not that anyone else is bad, but like you're really good. You're really good at what you do. What is your sort of area of specialty or what's the most common?
2: What's the most common thing that people come to you for?
0: Okay. Uh, So actually, like a lot of people will first come in for a specific thing. Like you came in for some digestive or Zoe came in for the diastasis, but... In, especially in New York, once people have come in and uh, addressed or taken care of the initial issue, a lot of times stress, which you said uh, was one of the reasons driving you to go, becomes the kind of the ongoing reason why people continue with acupuncture and other symptoms, colds and flus and and sprains and and tweaks come come and go. But usually, like New Yorkers who are working pretty hard, stressing pretty hard, like they'll find that in the process of treating their back pain or their stomach pain or their headaches, initially they also get that 30 40 minutes of relaxation meditation and it's amplified by the acupuncture and they just walk away feeling pretty uh, rejuvenated and pretty relaxed pretty uh, you know and back to their you know full potential and that's i kind of, say that's one of the reasons people continue to come keep coming back for acupuncture is it just keeps them on the game uh, one of my patients who i've seen for years um, she she would come in and she would say every day is like the Super Bowl for me. And so I treat, like she treats her stress management and her mental capacity like an athlete would on, on game day. And that's, re- like, you know, for a lot of people, they wouldn't word it that way, but that's a really important aspect of maintaining their function in their modern life.
1: Yeah, game day. I like it, <laughs> as we totally look like sportscasters right now I know, we do. At the Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> but, uh, but in general, we have, like I have a general practice. I practice with my wife. Um, we see a bit of everything. Um, we see, obviously, people come to acupuncture for pain. Um, people come in for uh, a lot of what we call like a dysfunctional issues. So there's no tumor. There's no infection. There's nothing that the medical doctor tells them, this is wrong with you, and this is why you have your symptoms. But but they're still not okay. Like they're still having digestive problems or period problems or circulation or headache problems. And so when it's a functional issue like that, acupuncture is really good for recalibrating the body's ability to find its homeostasis, to find its kind of maximal potential, smooth, harmonious function. And sometimes there's not a, an antibiotic or a, or a pill or a surgery that can get a person there. It requires a more finessed approach. Mm-hmm.
2: That's interesting. I feel like there's constantly this quest for homeostasis, whether it's like, you know, adaptogens and herbs and supplements or exercise or whatever. We're constantly just trying to get back to like a state of just normal, not even feeling like amazing, just feeling normal, which has kind of eluded so many of us.
1: So what is it? So this is, and I know, you know, Erica mentioned, we, you know, we did a show A while back now, where we had our friend Paige on who's an acupuncturist, and we kind of, you know, we did the broad strokes and it was a bit, you know, just like acupuncture one oh one. And, you know, we don't want this to be so one oh one, but I always like to ask the question because it often I think a lot of people think acupuncture there's just like placebo because it's so sort of difficult to explain what it is that you're you know, what's happening in the body but is there i mean how, how do you describe
0: it okay um so i, I kind of see two questions there yeah. so the first is you could bring, so the first answer has like two two ways to answer it part a part b uh, what's happening depends on the vocabulary that you want to use so in in for the last 5000 years in china acupuncture has devel- been developed as this healing system within the whole uh, you know chinese cultural uh view on how Humans are uh, most likely to find harmony and wellness in the world around them, and they had a pre-modern, a pre-scientific vocabulary. So they used this very kind of quaint and fluid and poetic vocabulary. Qi, blood, yin and yang, and the points are described after natural, na- uh, natural kind of uh, phenomena like hills and valleys and rivers and streams and things like this. And so they developed this system, which wasn't uh, uh, kind of so heavy in uh, quantification, but was. Really heavy in nuance and qualification, the relationships between how different parts of the body work together, and then all the points, acupuncture points, and all the regions of the body that were also categorized according to their sensitivity and their ability to enact different changes and and different modifications in how the body is kind of behaving and functioning. Um, and and so when we learn acupuncture, we learn like this whole system, we learn this vocabulary, and we learn how to kind of Take a patient, see their you know pre- their presentation of symptoms, their story, their narrative, their health history. Take their pulse and tongue to get a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on inside the body of that moment, and then we translate it into points and treatments, and maybe diet and other things. But um, when you when you try to tell a person. Um, I'm reorganizing your chi or your yin or your yang. It doesn't actually give them a lot to sink their teeth into. Like like those in are not inherently westernized uh, terms. We don't have a, a deep understanding of them. And even in in ancient China, like you know, they were, they relied on the symbology and the and like uh, the imagery of the natural world. So like the, uh, like I, I don't I'm not like uh, fluent in Chinese, but one of the things we learn is like characters like qi related like the pictograph character, character related to the image of steam coming off of cooking rice. Like that kind of, you can smell it, you can perceive it. It's got movement and activity, but it's ephemeral. Like it's not something you can capture and, you know, concretize. And yin and yang, which are like these important concepts of duality, those characters, those pictographs related to very simply the sunny side of a mountain versus the shady side of a mountain. And and what that invokes, the difference between those two things. Imagine you're sitting on the sunny side of a mountain, and the sun is beating down on you you feel expansive stretched the shrubbery is growing it's dry it's you know it's a and that that will call that yang energy right and the yin energy is the uh, shady side of the mountain you know, it's danker, it's damp, it's moist, uh, less bombastic growth of shrubbery, more like, you know, fungus and, you know, things growing under rocks and things like that, more protective. And that's the yin energy. But uh, so even, even with those references, it's not a lot to sink your teeth into. So when people ask me now, how is acupuncture working? My, my best explanation is every time we puncture a point, we're injuring the person. A tiny injury. It's not like falling off a bike or getting hit with a baseball bat or something, but it's a tiny little injury. And over millions of years, the human body has evolved to to survive and to respond to any kind of stimulus and injury in an adaptive and healing way. And so these tiny little kind of minuscule injuries can induce or incite this fundamental systemic response in the body. To, That's know, to, interesting. To so heal. it's almost
2: like you create an injury in order for the body to wake up and heal itself.
0: Absolutely, or to accentuate like, an area of yeah. trouble. Or, mm-hmm. And then obviously 5,000 years of, of, of them observing uh, the r- relative connections between different parts of the body. And they figured out that you know there's some points on the leg that help your tummy and on your hand that help your head. So there's all these kind of interconnections and these kind of distal relationships. But on a basic level, we're kind of... We're, we're, we're agitating the body just enough to produce a response, not enough to send a person to the hospital. Right. And
1: yeah, that's a really good explanation. I mean, it makes total sense. And it's like applicable in so many other areas, like even going to, I don't know, like I just came from Pilates, you know, and I, it's like she was doing a, whatever, she was sort of like touching my lower like abs. And she was like trying to feel my muscles firing And then one side was like not really firing as quickly as the other. So she just started tapping the side that was not firing. And then all of a sudden, it just like turns on.
0: So it's just this like... Yeah, that's exactly a a great immediate example of that. Yeah, it's
1: like it just... um, You're sort of like waking up your body and you're like, pay attention over here. Mm -hmm. And it's... Yeah, so it's like a very... It's in so many different areas. (laughs) So that... I mean,
2: I feel like visually that makes so much sense, especially when you're talking about healing something that is immediately... Available and present, you know, an injury, a a bad muscle, even stress to some degree. Because if you think about it, like you're creating all these points of tension in order to create the release. So now I want to take it a step deeper and say, this is something that people do for, as we know, hormone balancing. How is that working? So, I mean, we, you know, we wanted to talk to you specifically because we know you do a lot with fertility treatment and hormone balancing and whether it's, you know, addressing. PMS or addressing fertility issues or a pregnancy or, you know, the, the beautiful stage of perimenopause that now we
1: are all in. And by we all, I mean you and me, Z. Well, we just learned that perimenopause starts at 35. Yeah. Roughly. Well, it
2: basically starts as soon as you either are of childbearing, like have had a child or are like in your. Th- oh, I- I think I need to go brush up on my definitions. Yeah, but I thought it was like um, roughly. But around yeah, five, so yeah. we're basically approaching menopause. So all of these different sort of hormonal phases throughout life. So how uh, now? I need to understand how acupuncture actually is, is like addressing these things because it's not visible and it's not immediately detectable.
0: Okay, so in a in a fairly general way, just going back to that first definition. Uh, even non-specific stimuli and minuscule injuries in the body will produce a systemic response, and the body's innate knowledge and ability to heal will respond with the most emphasis on the areas that are most out of whack, most out of harmony, most injured, or most in need of healing. Um, but then the, uh, 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 there's the specific points that we use. There's 360 odd points, acupuncture points, in the body, and you know for the last few thousand years, they've been categorized as being you know able. To do and good for different functions and purposes, and so uh, you know we will choose those points accordingly. Um, But so here's like a a kind of where the the modern world and the ancient world meet a little bit. We know through um, modern science that obviously you know your pituitary gland in, in your brain and your ovaries are largely responsible for your reproductive response and the and the production of hormones. So just on a very simple level, an acupuncturist will know that. Uh, when those things become an issue, you will use points around the reproductive system, the lower abdomen, below the belly button, um, uh, over the ovaries, over the uterus. And just by putting some local points there, you're telling the body, listen, we need some attention here. We need some circulation here. We need some healing and balancing here. But then also, like I think this is probably the, the most amazing part of Chinese medicine. And by the way, acupuncturists these days go to school for about four years. We do a master's level in Chinese medicine training or more. And we learn quite a bit of Western medicine theory as well. It's not just ancient Chinese medicine. And so I, I think that combination really lets us combine you know the modern world and the ancient or the east and the west however you want to think about it but a, a really strong point of chinese medicine is that they never emphasized the disease diagnosis like the migraine or the menopause or the infertility the Chinese medicine physician will look at the tongue, will look at the pulse, will hear all the questions like anyone who's been to an acupuncturist they're like, I'm coming for a headache and why are you asking me about my poo and my pee and my sweating and and am I hot at night or do I like cold or warm beverages? So we ask all these questions which aren't necessarily related to the symptom or to the disease or the chief complaint symptom or the disease but they're symptoms that give us uh, like a, a better understanding of what's the pattern, we call it a pattern. What's the pattern within this person? What's their ecology? What's their, what's their inner terrain really like? And and therefore, why are they able to manifest this disharmony or this illness or this disease? And so the Chinese medicine doctor will understand that a, a menopause can be from qi deficiency, from blood deficiency, from yang deficiency, from yin deficiency, from stagnation, from heat, from cold, from phlegm. Like There's all, like all different elements that would potentially be at play when a woman comes in with peri- or, or menopausal symptoms, whether it's hot flashes, night sweats, bloating, digestion, weight gain, whatever these things may be. And all of those are like we feel that those come from a particular environmental disposition, a constitutional disposition of the woman. And so when we start to identify what's going on, is she phlegmatic? Is she yin deficient? Is she yang deficient? Then we'll start to compose a treatment with points that emphasize balancing those features, points that tonify the yang or Invigorate stagnant qi, or nourish the blood, or bring the fire down from her head down to her feet. And so, in uh, there's so uh, there's a little bit of like it's this this in in the modern world. There's not a lot of studies in Chinese medicine uh, uh, application of acupuncture for these things. And so, our, our proof in the pudding is that we see that it works for patients. But a, a lot of how we your question is like how do you choose points? What you know? How does it work? We're not exactly sure, actually. We know through trial and error in a few thousand years that certain points do certain things and certain combinations of points can do more nuanced and complicated things for the body. But in terms of like, uh, is it a neurological response primarily? Is it a circulation response primarily? Is it a local endocrine or a systemic endocrine response? Uh, It's really hard to tease those things apart. Which actually brings me to—I think one of you mentioned the placebo effect, and that was part two of an answer I wanted to give earlier. Placebo effect—I think has a bad name, mm-hmm. like because it's often used as right. a—it means bullshit. Yeah, well, <laughs> in, in, yeah, it means like it's trickery. It, it means like what part of the of the population, uh, whether generally or in a study, is responding regardless of the treatment. It's just like, it's just, it's kind of like the, it's the wiggle room with within a condition or a treatment. And so, um, you know, people usually use a, a, a control group and a, and a treatment group and the control group shows, you know, say there's 100 people in each group and so that you give a treatment, maybe 50 people get better in the treatment group with the medication, but 15 people or 20 people get better in the placebo group or on the control group and they attribute this to placebo and that gives you like an ability and I think there's wisdom there to give a, a a more deliberate value to the treatment that you're proposing because you could you could you know expect that within that same group 15 or 20 would have got better even without the medication. Mm-hmm. And but nonetheless placebo is has been given a bad name. But about 10-15 years ago I came across some research that was getting done in Harvard and, and one of the early writers of Chinese medicine, his name was uh, Ted Kapchuk uh was involved that and they were exploring how to get the most out of placebo effect so certain posturing of the physician certain keywords that were used before and after a surgery very subtle very inexpensive and uh, safe uh, non-invasive techniques could be used to improve outcomes and, and so, they you know, they were looking at like, you know, how can we, rather than having placebo be a dirty word, mm-hmm, how yeah. can we get the most value out of placebo effect so that we can actually come up with treatments that are less risky, less expensive, less likely to cause reactions and interactions of other medications, et cetera. And I'm actually not ashamed to say that even if acupuncture could be attributed to be uh, partially or largely due to placebo effect, I think that's like the most sophisticated, evolved way of treating people. Yeah, well, because-
2: because it, it comes from within you. It comes you, from you yes, believe your mind. that you're doing something. Absolutely,
0: yeah. it's, it's using the body's innate ability to in- initiate and complete healing. There's not a medication coming in that could cause liver, kidney problems, interaction with other medications, complications, et cetera. It's not expensive. It can be, re- you know, potentially reproduced. And it, uh, I mean, it's it's a very evolved way, and I think it's going to be where medicine goes in the future, like and and really gets it like collides with that world of prevention and wellness, which I think are kind of buzzwords now, like not just like go to the doctor when you're sick and dying, but like go to the doctor or go to a a clinician or practitioner to prevent yourself from losing health Mm -hmm. and wellness.
1: I just heard somebody was just telling me an amazing placebo story where there were, I don't know, 100 or 200 patients who had a knee injury that all needed knee surgery and they split them in two and they basically gave everyone an incision on their knee, right? So everyone basically had their local anesthesia, or whatever it was, and everyone came out with a little knee scar. But only half of the group actually had the surgery. Oh though. my God, that was fascinating. So a hundred percent of the people who did not have the actual surgery but came out with a scar were, he- quote- unquote, "healed." They were like walking what? again. their knee was cured, it was fixed, whatever the problem was. A hundred. That's percent. a pretty aggressive experiment. I mean, I that's do. phenomenal. But, but isn't that yeah, an amazing no. experiment to go so far as like... To perform surgery. To, to, but not quite perform surgery, but just yeah. make the, yeah. you know, the sort of superficial cut. Uh, I thought that was so fascinating. Wow. But it works, right? But then, and, and that's human. That was like a obvious human example. Mm-hmm. And then actually one of the acupuncturists that I went to a couple of years ago was telling me how she got into it. And um, story, yeah. she was saying that she was actually pre-med and... One of the rounds that she had to do involved her being on a farm with animals, and uh, all the veterinarians that were treating these animals on the farm were using acupuncture. And so she was just like, What the? Hell? And this is like a while ago. This is probably like 20, uh, easily 20 years ago. And so basically, you know, there would be a horse with a bum knee that couldn't walk uh, and just had all these needles stuck in it. That suddenly got up and was just like, Mm -hmm. totally fine. Uh, You know, and so you know, it's just like, how is that possibly placebo?
0: Like the horse can't. Animals are a good. Yeah, animals are really A good obliterator of placebo, yeah.
1: And, you know, and and just the fact that, you know, and I asked her if the animals were actually like, do they have to tranquilize them? Because that would probably interfere. And she's like, no, they just laid there. They were just chilling. (laughs) I've seen that at work. Even
0: really kind of big aggressive dogs will yeah. become like lambs so when they get acupuncture, crazy. paws down. And then when they're done, they kind of get up, they yeah. sh- shake the, the needles <laughs> off a little bit. and
1: It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I'm
2: experimenting on my cats right now with CBD. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> just, <laughs> stop ruining my they curtains. Need, they need to calm down a little bit. And yeah. exactly for this reason, like animals Is can't it actually. Well, it's only been like three days, okay. but I, I swear that I've seen it different so far just in the level of like
1: agitation. Yeah. Um, but the placebo is just like, I mean, to your point, it is such an amazing thing. Like, it, if it is or isn't placebo, it doesn't matter because doesn't the placebo matter. has right. obvious Like if you can effects. help people yeah,
0: with yeah. putting them at less risk and less expense, then why not?
1: And putting yeah. their minds
2: at ease, which as we know, is such a huge part of it. I mean, you've even said, like Zoe was, you know, she talks a lot about the fertility infertility experience and how, you know, as soon as like you sort of take your mind off it or just force oh, yeah. yourself to start thinking about things differently. <laughs> it like, I immediately got pregnant.
1: I mean, I had, there was nothing wrong, you right. know, nothing major anyway. Uh, but there, you know, I didn't do like IVF or anything like that, but I definitely was like in it. I was like going every week to, I went to an endocrinologist. You know, I think I did an IUI at one point and that was probably the most like invasive, uh, aggressive thing that I did. But you know, at the end of like six months, I mean, the, my acupuncturist just looked at me. She's like, you just need to chill the fuck out. I'm yeah. like, you know what? She basically gave me a forced like leave of absence. Right. She was like, you no need more to, doctors for you. Just go away for a bit. <laughs> like, I was like, well, wait, I'm paying you like $200. <laughs> so she, you know, she kind of kicked me out. And I, I went to California for six weeks, chilled. Uh and had just, some sex. Had some sex It was immediately pregnant. Yeah. You know, and there was just like no, it's just kind of a funny thing. Mind is very powerful. I don't know how that happens. And I, I find that I hear that story quite often. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I mean, how how do you do you have any examples that you would feel comfortable sharing of women that were struggling with either menopause, PMS, or infertility and like progress that they've made?
0: Um, I mean. How many days do you have? <laughs>
1: it's like countless. Right? I
0: mean, like yeah, like I mean, I'll see three or four thousand treatments a year, and so a, I see a lot of people. And I, I, for for what it's worth, like early adopters of acupuncture are more heavily female than male. Like women have always, I've noticed in my practice, my wife as well have been a little bit more open to the to coming to acupuncture. We and- also
2: have a higher threshold
0: for pain. <laughs> and and that and uh, just a reminder. But uh, so like a, a, and a, a lot of what we, what we see are women's issues and and I, I like there's some things that like I can like I mean you can't guarantee but you can like almost guarantee that you can help a person with like girls that don't get their periods, um, whether it's PCOS or just uh, generic amenorrhea. Within three to six months, like most of them will get their periods. With the menopause, like the, like I also see a lot of cancer patients, and so there's women who've had breast cancer and they can't do hormone replacement therapy because it's 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 not a good idea uh, for anyone who's had hormone sensitive cancers before, and so they'll come to us and we will you know we'll be and we don't we can't even give them herbs that have a slight estrogenic effect you know that are not as strong as hormone replacement therapy but you know can for most people most of the time can give some relief and just straight acupuncture for like hot flashes night sweats cranky, irritability, bloating, like those m- m- mainstream symptoms, the ones you see the most of, uh, more often than not, eight, nine out of 10 times within a month or two, uh, people report relief. I mean, it's really kind of amazing. I actually also think going back to like y- y- your uh, description of the, the knee surgery study, and then also the difficulty of uh, when you do a study and you need a placebo, it's hard to do sham acupuncture so it's hard. Right. It's, it's hard right. To, you can't it, pretend. Yeah, it's really hard to compare real acupuncture to not real acupuncture because people know when they're getting acupuncture and because of the kind of systemic effects of, of acupuncture, even if you put the needles in the quote-unquote wrong places, the body will still respond to this. So it's not a true placebo effect. But uh, in, in infertility uh, treatment, um, in about 2001, the first few kind of recognized and what the, what the Western Medicine Society or community kind of deemed as a, as appropriate and strong studies came out. And I think that's probably why the, with those studies that, that came out and really showed that acupuncture basically doubles the success of IVF, um, that's what really saw a lot I'm more. I'm sorry,
1: can you just repeat that? I'll yeah, chat. so
0: in 2001, in fertility and sterility, there was the first study, it was from Europe, and it basically showed that two acupuncture treatments on the day of an embryo transfer during IVF, the, a pre-transfer treatment and a post-transfer treatment. So like the morning and the afternoon of an IVF, just about, just shy of doubled the success rate of, of that IVF cycle. That's huge. That's that's massive. That's incredible. So if you're thinking IVF, depending on where you are, can cost ten dollars to $20,000 yeah. and you just added a, a $300 or $400 insurance policy to double the success rate of that, that's stupendous. It's yeah, really that's incredible. Amazing. It
1: should just be insisted Yeah, by it should just the, come I mean, with
0: it. It should be Well, a, a lot of, I, I, I don't know about the rest of the world, I imagine, but in, in New York City, a lot of uh, uh, reproductive endocrinologist offices already have Acupuncturist, right. or they refer uh, people like me, mm. uh, their patients, to make sure they get those pre and post treatments, yeah. because it makes them look better too. It makes their results sure. more robust, and yeah. then the numbers get better. Patients are happy. They're not making as much money because they're not doing multiple uh, treatments. So. But I, I think at the end of the day, though, like I, I, when even though every, you know a, a lot of. Stuff is driven by money and, mm-hmm. and and big companies and stuff like that. Um, I think p- physicians generally want generally want their patients to get results to g- yes, get that course. baby and get more business by referring a exactly, friend, kind of yeah, thing, right. rather than um, having someone do countless cycles. And because of because of that kind of segment of of the of the population and and those studies. Um, and that success uh, that's, has uh, greatly legitimized acupuncture to the general population. as And I think that has definitely influxed a lot of uh, women looking for some sort of support or help or uh, amelioration of, of kind of female symptoms. You know? That's incredible.
2: Okay, so moving away from what, as you were saying, you absolutely can't fake with acupuncture into the area that I think certainly goes hand in hand, but I think... F- for a, a, a significant population, raises a few eyebrows. This is essential oils and aromatherapy. So, can you explain how those work in tandem, and you know, it's how they kind of complement the practice and what the actual mechanism is there? And I think the follow up question to that is like, how do you know? that it's real, because I feel like, you know, that to me is kind of the prime example of what could be construed as just like... Wait,
1: mm-hmm. and why haven't I done any aromatherapy treatment? You, really? you don't need it, you you're that ask. good. <laughs> no. oh, you have to ask for it? <laughs> I need to... Uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I think to answer your question, I think the, the, the link between legitimacy and aromatherapy would be uh, herbal medicine, botanical medicine, um, you know, herbs have been used for thousands of years in the last 40, 50 years.
2: I just wanted to say, clarify, I'm a huge believer in herbalism and herbal therapies, but I know that there are people who definitely want to.
0: So, I mean, so there's like, there's been a lot of progress in the last 40, 50 years in terms of researching and testing and understanding what, what the kind of chemical and molecular structure of herbs is and different plants and and what's safe and what's not safe, what what works, why it works, what, what the likely mechanisms are for an herb to work or a combination of herbs. And I, I mean, I think it's reasonable uh, f- for people to realize that or to uh, you know uh, accept that herbs work. Um, they're not as powerful as medications in a lot of cases. Like if I'm treating someone for an acute uh, upper respiratory infection, if they got on antibiotics, they would be better, like start to feel better in about two or three days. If they get on herbs, it takes four or five days. So it takes a little bit longer. But most of the time, herbs can do most of the things that antibiotics can do in that kind of case.
2: Without destroying your gut. And Without destroying your gut.
0: And then also, I mean, from what I see in my practice, I I and I'm not. I, I by the way I love Western medicine. I tell people this often because sometimes people assume that an herbalist, acupuncturist has the chip on their shoulder and they're anti-establishment and don't like Western medicine. I love Western medicine. I love science. I think what makes me a good acupuncturist and herbalist is that I understand Western medicine, physiology, anatomy, and how the human body actually works in terms of modern science. And I'm able to link that with the system of herbs and essential oils and acupuncture to derive the most benefit for patients. But so so, I mean, herbs have chemicals in them, uh, like naturally occurring molecules and chemicals. Chemicals do things to the body. And, you know, if assuming that the combination is right and the dosage is right, a lot of people who take herbs see benefits from them uh, in, uh, and, and jumping forward to essential oils, if if you think like essential oils are like are extracted from taking raw plant material and passing a steam through it, and that steam captures the microscopic oil particles, the lipid soluble portion of the plant, and cap, you know, captures it and basically they separate the steam from the oil and the essential oil is this highly concentrated uh, extract from the plant. It takes about 5,000 pounds of plant material to make one pound of essential oil. So that's a, a that's an that, absurd concentration, which if it does two things. It starts to make it clear of like, oh, why could a few drops of an essential oil be expected to have an effect on someone's health? But it also lets you know that like, Oh my god, these are really powerful and potentially dangerous tools. And so like for instance as a clinician and I've, and I've been studying essential oils for about probably 20 25 years now and using them in my practice for 15 years, when when I see people writing and and discussing that they take any kind of oil internally and they you know make all kinds of combinations, it always makes me a little bit nervous because essential oils are really powerful. Yeah. But at the same time, like when used safely and properly and with, you know, I guess uh common good common sense they're they're pretty amazing like many i'd say probably the the most exposure i've seen of essential oils to the western medical uh scientific research community has been antimicrobials antivirals antifungals uh, essential oils have been studied for that. Uh, a lot of my Lyme's patients, um, we have a lot of uh, Lyme disease patients in New York because people go to Connecticut and upstate. And their Western medical doctors or functional medical doctors who are prescribing all kinds of antibiotics and antifungals for their treatment are often adding essential oils like oregano oil yeah. for its antiparasitic so and antimicrobial and co-infection uh, effects. So, uh, I mean, I, 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 to me, I mean, essential oils are completely legitimized at this point.
2: I I've, I've had I've been a believer for a long time just because of everything you're saying like there's so much power in plants and even pharmaceuticals are derived originally from oh yeah, the, materials the, in plants. Absolutely. Um but between taking oregano oil for a common cold and having it literally vanish within a matter of yeah. like my mom know, took hours. oregano oil every single I day. I mean, well, I mean <laughs> like the capsules. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I would just I did like two drops at the first, you know, sign of a cold gone. And it happened multiple... I, I don't get sick, honestly. I don't get sick. But anytime I feel something Stop coming up... Stop bragging. On, I really don't though. <laughs> knock on wood. But then the other thing is that I used to get terrible, terrible headaches. Oftentimes, you know, after a night of some cocktails or whatever. I've not taken a thing like uh, a capsule of any kind for a couple of years at this point. I have this peppermint oil and all you're supposed to do is put like three drops on your head when you have a headache and it is like the most miraculous I thing I've ever. ever Yeah, it is amazing. And I it's all very this is true?
0: Yeah, I mean, they really can work. I mean, also if people are interested, like what, what I recommend my patients, if they have a question about something, I'll tell them, go to PubMed, uh, go to the National Institute of Health Data Bank for all peer-reviewed medical journals and published articles. And it has all the, you know, all the stuff that your doctor, your oncologist, your gynecologist is looking up for latest research. But there's also a lot of peer-reviewed journals that publish herbal and essential oil and aromatherapy papers. And and you can, like, when you start looking, you can see that, like, oh, wow, like, maybe it's not at a cultural critical mass where everyone is accepting it. But there's, like, a lot of legitimate research on plants and herbs and essential oils and you can start to see like oh this is not really hokey stuff right. you know yeah.
2: but especially when you get into chinese herbs for example like we're not talking about like basil we're talking yeah. about like very specific combinations of oh, chinese herbs yeah. right there isn't it's not something that or is it something i guess that you can say everybody with this this set of symptoms should be taking this Herb, or is okay. it much more highly?
0: I mean, a, a, a bit of both. So there's like there's this concept, like I was saying before, in Chinese medicine, that everyone has this very individualized constitution in, in their being, in their body, and the five different headaches or five different hot flashes or night sweats patients might have actually five different physiological mechanisms driving their symptoms, and so a, a, a trained or skilled Chinese medicine doctor is going to identify what those are and write a specific herbal prescription. Uh, to, you know, to be mixed and compounded for that patient. Um, that's why you, when you go to Chinatown, you actually see those those stores of the herbs and the, all the like drawers, all the ginseng. Oh, yeah, all the different mm-hmm. bits and pieces that. It looks like someone went to the backyard and picked up some yeah. mulch, you yeah. know. But all these like kind of like dried herbs that they weigh out and put, you know, and they put into packets so they cook for patients. So ideally, you like, and I think this is where some of Western medicine is going to this individualized treatment approach. Um, it, it, you really get better results. But, you know, not everyone has access to a Chinese herbal pharmacy. Not everyone can afford the little bit more expensive customized herbs. And so there's also a world in Chinese medicine where we where we have formulas, herbs, that are kind of like we call, you know, this more general remedies. Kind of most people most of the time with this symptom will have relief from this formula.
2: And- is there anything that you could recommend just like off the top of your head for anybody having like terrible PMS, for example?
0: Yeah, like in terms of a formula? Yeah, like
1: something that... But you have your own line and your own formulation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I have my own herbs and my own, like in a tincture form. But are you asking in terms of that? Or are you asking in terms of like going to Chinatown? For
2: somebody who's listening, who says like, I'm not spending $200 or $300 on a customized... Right. appointment, but, but I have these. I can buy some tea tree oil. Yeah, like what can I buy <laughs> that could actually help that's not so super tailored that it's going to be dangerous
0: or okay. whatever. So in terms of herbs, I mean, from a Chinese point of view, you would have herbs. Uh, There's one called Xiangfu, it's Cypress Rotundus. You would have an herb called Chaihu, it's bupleurum. Bai Shao is an herb, uh, a root of peony. Dang Gui, everyone's heard of Dang Gui. Angelica, and so it's 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 considered a Chinese uh, master herb for women's issues. Okay, uh, there's an herb called uh, Fu Ling. It's a, it's a type of mushroom, and it helps with like like sluggishness and phlegm and mucus and bloating. Oh, I need that. Um, and and so I just gave the first few ingredients yeah, to a classic like... Chinese formula um, based on something called Xiao Yao and It's called Free and e- Free and Easy Wanderer, and it's a formula that's supposed to help block uh, 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 stuck and Stagnant energy and help like move it smoothly through the tissues and and, and the and so the meridians. So uh, like too. it could be digestive, but it's like pertains a little bit more to what, what we call like the liver system, mm-hmm. which deals with cycles. So the mm-hmm. period it deals with stress, frustration. It mm-hmm. uh, it deals with tightness, and so it's like a, like when a person feels kind of you know PMS, painful periods. Yeah. A, a, maybe a little cranky irritable during menopause like that's a formula you would use but I, i'm kind of hesitant to like say like this is a one-size-fits-all yeah, no, because it's you go down a rabbit hole where then people are like oh um you know this is supposed to help m- right. me for that this guy said it would help me but right. now it hasn't yeah exactly that
1: guy <laughs> <laughs> so many promises
0: um uh, but in but in uh, but in terms of essential oils, um, like you would think of things like uh, clary sage, you would mm-hmm. think of things like lavender. What yeah. what does clary sage do? Uh, clary sage is kind of like it's a it's a has a like nourishment and movement. It helps it basically helps balance uterine function, reproductive yeah, function. It's kind of like what we call an envoy herb or an envoy. Uh, oil that like uh, concentrates the 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 activity of an entire formula or essential oil blend on the reproductive system for women. But you you could also put in things like lavender for t- you know tightness, tension, frankincense for pain. You could put in peppermint too. Mm-hmm. Has a very bright invigorating effect. Could
1: put it on your put forehead. It on my head. What about tea tree oil? Why is tea tree oil such an amazing cure all?
0: Um, tea tree oil is amazing because it's inexpensive, it's easy to get, and it's got a, a broad spectrum antiviral, antifungal, and antibacterial. Also,
2: anti-pimple.
0: Yeah, well, it, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, it's really it, good on your face. It, it brings down the little local infection in the in, in the uh, what in the in the pimple. Yeah.
1: yeah, I love this stuff. Okay, so if you're on a, if you were going to be stranded on a desert island, or if you were going into the woods by yourself, and you could only bring four essential oils with you, what would you bring?
0: Okay. Good question. Tea tree oil. Frankincense oil.
1: Frankincense for
0: pain? Frankincense, Yeah, I mean, frankincense for pain, for circulation. I mean, frankincense, it's considered a holy anointing oil. So as soon as you said you're going to go on a desert island or in a forest, I'm like, awesome, I'm going to meditate, and like relax <laughs> and, and feel good. So frankincense is great for like opening your mind and expanding your awareness. Like it really feels yummy, smooth and soothing. Um, but it's also good for pain. It's good for circulation. Uh, lavender, tea tree. Then I go either oregano or eucalyptus. If you give me five, I'll take both.
1: Okay, I like good deal. That. No, wait, what is
0: the eucalyptus? Uh, eucalyptus um, is great for respiratory issues. Mm. Um, uh, like for me, like in the winter, I tend to get a couple of colds each winter. Uh, maybe Not I- me. <laughs> not, not miss I never get sick over here so uh, I mean maybe if I wasn't seeing patients every day in the, in this forest right. or deserted maybe island children, you're in a petri dish Erica <laughs> but, uh, but you, I, I like eucalyptus a lot it also has like a nice grounding effect it's one yeah, of these oils
1: smells so good like
0: it has this expansive effect but also grounds and calms and sedates it's, it's, it's a great oil I like it and oregano oil so that i you know like Anti-parasite, antibacterial, antiviral. You never antiviral. Know what you're going to run into in yep. that
1: forest. And also, you know, uh, do we need to point out that these are all topically
0: applied? Yes. These are not for drinking. Okay, yes. Yeah. So uh, I would say the, the, the best advice for most people most of the time is consider your essential oils for topical use. Um, some oils can be used internally and they're safe to do so, oh but they're so concentrated. Yeah. And even some oils that are of plants that you would ordinarily eat you have to be cautious taking them internally because of the profound concentration and the concentration of molecules that is that is extracted through the steam distillation and, the, and then in the absence of the fibrous and the other particles that would otherwise balance out you know, uh, yeah. the constituents I of the final oil. I learned the
2: hard way with the oregano oil. I did like two drops in a glass of water and then I drank the water. Oh, it'll burn like, your mouth. Yeah. It burned my entire yeah, lips. Yeah. It was for two drops. So I was like, okay, straw. Next Wait, can I sh- just share a
1: hysterical <laughs> and slightly inappropriate story? Speaking of ingesting things that we think are going to be like antiviral, antifungal. Sure. <laughs> like,
2: so like who friend. Who goes down at the end of this story? Not me.
1: <laughs> okay. Her name. <laughs> shall she, remain nameless? Shall, yes, remain uh, nameless. So she had, I think it was a yeast infection. And um, she read <laughs> like one of those... You know, those thick books, like nutritional healing books, has all these sort of like homeopathic remedies. I know where remedies. this is going. You know where it's going? <laughs> so I think she I do took... too. Clove of garlic. Uh-huh, yep. Shoved it up for Ginny. Mm-hmm. Started just screaming. It burned like a mother. I mean, but did it work? No, it didn't work. She couldn't even keep it in there long. I'm oh like, God, she's like on fire. But is that real? Is that like something? You, you know,
0: that- for some people, the clove of garlic works. Um, But garlic or like a, the, the constituents of garlic are really caustic. They're really spicy and they can burn. So if she was raw or irritated inside, then that would not be Keeping a great hot choice.
1: In your downtown. <laughs> okay, I will not be trying that. But I was just wondering if that was like a legitimate
0: thing. I'd say that's not a mainstream thing, but it's legit in that people use it. And I've had patients come back and say that it's helped them. So,
1: okay. All right. So she's not as crazy. She's as, not that crazy, but yeah. you know, you gotta be. You gotta All right. Wait, so I on. think it would be really fun if we did like a live reading. Yes. Um, and by that, right, we just mean that. Read my tongue. Paul, will look at. Both of us, our tongues, our tick, our pulse and give us some feedback on well, what's going on let's inside do it. based on those two things. This is where I always get a little bit nervous because I'm like, oh my God. I, it's like going to confession. It's like being judged. It's exactly
0: like confession. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm like, oh, I eat too much dairy. <laughs> um, okay, well, you go first. And my hands are really damp. Oh, okay. First, you have to take off your watch. My hands are so disgustingly damp and sweaty right now. See, and then he and wrote something down. Some he's like, You are not breathing. Your respiratory. Do you have your
0: affairs in order? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen. Now he's switching
2: wrists because there's... Oh, yes,
0: So we'll take a pulse on both sides. Most people uh, wonder why, because the same heart is beating the same rate on both sides. But a Chinese medicine doctor often doesn't count the pulse. We're not as interested in how fast the pulse is. It's obvious if it's too fast or too slow, but we're trying to feel the resistance in the vessels. How We, we, we use terms like wiry and soft and slippery, thin and thready for the pulse. And how how her, how Zoe's pulse re- reflect re- uh, responds to my pressure as I push down on it uh, gives me the information that I need.
1: It's amazing. It's truly fascinating. I- I'm always wiry. You're a little slippery too. I'm like I'm like a breath away from dead.
2: <laughs> okay, tongue time.
1: He's like, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so what are you looking Survey for? Survey says tongue? it's been an exceptionally stressful couple of weeks. So this is going to be a little
0: weird. So on the tongue, we're looking at um, like the tongue is a fleshy organ of the interior and we can see it without cutting you open. So the Chinese always thought it was a good way to get a glimpse of what's likely to be going on inside the person's fleshy organ interior without cutting them open. I often describe it to people as like, imagine if you're going to Whole Foods to buy a piece of fish or a piece of meat and like you see the glistening fresh looking piece of salmon or steak and like, yes, I want that. Or you see like those like dry and gross gray discolored disgusting mm, pieces I love of gray meat fish mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> or, or meat and then you're like, like stay the hell away from that so we we look at the tongue and we and it gives us an idea about what's likely going on more than just the tongue being a a generic fleshy organ of the interior, 5,000 years of observing people who gets better, who gets worse, who has this symptom, that symptom, who lives, who dies. The Chinese also made a more specific map on the tongue that relates different parts of the tongue to different parts of the body. So if you have cracks or color changes or, or difference in coding on the tongue on any particular part of the body, you can infer that you might want to be asking other questions about that area, whether it's the liver or the kidneys or the lungs. Et Can
1: you tell I've been drinking for two weeks
0: straight? <laughs> oh, don't tell me anything. <laughs> okay.
1: know, gonna, sorry Oh, you're going ruin yeah. the whole reveal. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the reveal. Okay, okay.
0: So, so your, your okay, uh, your left pulse, which we call your Yin side, it's like your your heart, your liver, and your fluid pulse, yeah. uh, so to speak. Um, that right now, that's fairly deficient on you. Um, uh, so it could be dehydration, it could be n- not enough uh, kind of like juicy nourishing resources coming in. Um, you could have just had a period perhaps, but like your body has a little less like uh, moisture, juice, uh, substance than, than ideal. Of, of those um, positions though, the liver pulse is quite wiry. Uh, it's actually very wiry. So the liver deals with stress. Uh, deals with drinking. So you kind of gave those two things away. Uh, but in Chinese medicine, the liver is the energy that kind of wanna get wants to get stuff done. And and it's the part of you that kind of conquers the world and reaches out and and it kind of makes things happen. But it's also the part that gets most agitated when we're blocked, when we can't get what we need, when when something is not working the way it should. So it's that bristly and agitated part of us. Um, so that, that liver po- so well, you might make sense. You might have been working on projects, you might have some stress. You might have had too many cocktails in, in the last few okay. days. Um, so th- that's the left pulse. Your right pulse um, is your chi pulse, your energy pulse. It's your lungs, your digestion, and what we call your kidney yang or are kind of related to your adrenals. Um, your lung pulse is the most active pulse on that side. It's a little bit wiry. Um, sometimes when the lung pulse is wiry, and un- like what we call unrested or floating, it's a sign of a cold or flu coming, like a tickle in the throat or a sniffle, or you're uh, just recovering or about to get sick with an upper respiratory, but it's not quite at that level. It's just a little bit active, mm-hmm. a little bit wiry. Your digestive and your uh, adrenal pulse is a little bit on the soft side. Um, what does that mean? Okay, so it might mean that you haven't eaten uh, uh, enough today. It might mean that, like, you kind of have like sluggish digestion—not like constipation or anything per se—but just like like the foods kind of like passing through in a bit of a cumbersome and and not efficient manner. Um, it, uh, it's winter time, so you you know it's it's very cold outside, so you're drawing on more of your fiery energy to stay warm and and mm-hmm. stay functioning. So that can also drain the yang energy or that, that adrenal mm-hmm. energy. Um, I don't do any of those fit.
1: Yep, that's all about right. Um, um,
0: and then I, the last thing that I'll say, uh, looking at both pulses together, is that when the the liver and the lung come up. So in Chinese medicine, the lung deals with the respiratory system um, and the airways, so colds and flus, sinusitis, all that kind of thing. But the lungs also relate to the skin, mm-hmm. and and so doing the uh, the, the kind of co- uh, correspondence to the lung uh, uh, organ is the metal element, which is the the element uh, that basically metal metal element and so it's the element that we feel like controls your ability to, to relate to the world around you it's like the, it helps you differentiate self from non-self it help, helps you let go of the past it helps you like uh, you know grieve things be sad for things but then move on mm-hmm. and so uh, and then if you remember I said liver is about that frustration or like getting shit done and, and like they're very proactive so when liver and lung are active together sometimes can Interpret that as like conflict in the interpersonal world. So, like, there's a kind of a like like your your body is oriented to like like really like the battle of life, getting this done, making this project happen. There's a difficult person over here, have to deal with that person, etc. That's that's kind of the liver and lung dynamic.
1: That's so interesting. Somebody told me my functional medicine doctor that I went to a while ago was like, he just gave me this look once. He's like, You're probably a metal. Is that like the same thing that you're possibly? Talking
0: unless about? he was really into heavy metal, but probably <laughs> like. <laughs> I
1: think that's a problem. Anyway, um, okay. So now my tongue.
0: And okay, so your tongue. Your tongue is uh, looks pretty good uh, overall. Really? Yeah, overall the color is pink. pink. Pink is like a light pink is like the kind of ideal color. Yours is pink with a very slightly purplish tinge to it, and that purplish color relates to stagnation. Things flowing a little less fluidly and smoothly than they could. Um, oh, stagnant. The you ha- you do have a few little red prickles over the surface of your tongue and so these are pockets of what we call heat or fire or inflammation mm-hmm. um and the and the those little red prickles are a little bit more pronounced at the towards the tip of the tongue which relates to the heart or the like and not the heart like cardiovascular but more like the spirit and the and the and the mind so it could be like we see that when that person is stressed or they haven't had good sleep or there's a lot on the person's plate so I mean putting that together with your pulse and tongue right there just uh, to me it would showed a person who's got a lot going on right now a, a lot of what do you say a lot of pies on the table a lot of a lot balls of, in the air a
1: lot of uh play- Wait, <laughs> plate, <laughs> spinning plates <laughs> balls spinning in the air tops balls in the air you just but, mix like six of them.
2: Uh, <laughs> pots on the burner I, I just made that one up
0: um the the coat uh, the coating of the tongue irons th- in
2: the fire the, fire,
0: is. <laughs> the coating of the tongue relates to uh, the garbage in the body. We're alive. We're burning fuel. We all have garbage. If it's too thick or too thin, it's an issue. Uh, the coating at the back of your tongue is a little bit on the thick side. So it might be that you're not eliminating as fluidly and completely as possible. Or maybe you've been eating a little bit heavier and yummier and stickier food recently. Hmm. And, and that's about it. That's what we see in your tongue and pulse. And what I would do with all that is I would choose the, the points and the herbs and the treatment that would, according to Chinese medicine, that would balance these things. None of these are are like, we don't get tattoos on your forehead about any given tongue or pulse. It just lets me know what's going on in your body at this moment Mm -hmm. and what's the best way that I can kind of stimulate your body, add points, add herbs, whatever I do in the treatment to kind of bring your body a little bit closer to that point of homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that when we get you as close as we can, at a certain point, your body's innate ability to heal and be well will kick in. Mm -hmm. Like the obstacle will be gone, the, the handicap will be gone, and you'll be able to stay in that harmonized and healthy space.
2: Love it! Thank you, doctor. Okay, now I me, mean, it
1: is true. It's like your body it wants to heal itself. Your body, right?
2: yeah. Well, it also is. It's going to tell. Oh, I can come to you. It's going to tell you, or it's going to tell a lot of
1: the. It's going to give a lot of the signals. All right, hold on. Got to do a little record for this because um, because it's interesting. You need the visual here because we are. Um, okay, so so Paul is taking Erica's pulse. You take the left left side and the right side um, to see what's going on in her body. I, I see what's what's body, yeah. what sort of naughty things she's done with me. What am
0: I up to? <laughs> so you guys were at the same cocktail party, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> called my kitchen. It's called my kitchen every day. Who wants to come and watch me freak out? Okay, now he's looking at her tongue. Top of the tongue and the bottom of the tongue. And he writes a lot of stuff down. That makes me kind of nervous. And it's all in like characters. And now he's going to give her some feedback on what it all means. Um, My reading was pretty accurate. See, this is what I mean. It's like I'm going to a psychic.
0: Okay. So some similarities and some differences. Okay. Your lung pulse... Is like quite unrested, so I would actually go out on the limb and say that you might be on the edge of getting sick, like a, a sore throat, a sinus, like sinuses, any kind of upper respiratory stuff. Like your pulse is really quite active, and it's also got a kind of a soft and slippery quality, which is a muco like a mucus quality. Um, overall, like relatively compared, relatively compared to Zoe's, your pulse does have a little bit more soft and slippery um, quality. So it's uh, it's a li- you're a little bit on the deficient side and a little bit more on the congested mucousy side so perhaps even if you didn't have like a sinusitis per se your body's tendency is to hold a little bit more phlegm and sluggishness inside Um, your digestive pulse is slightly wiry but it's acceptable you may or may not have any symptoms there like a tightness in the tummy or funny poops too much too little I'm not sure maybe spicy food last night Um, my
2: poop poop is hilarious (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and then your your kidney yang or your adrenal pulse is deficient. And so in Chinese medicine, actually, every organ not only deals with the organ like the kidney or the lung or the spleen or the stomach, um, every organ also kind of pertains to a jurisdiction. It has a field of influence, like other things that it controls and guides and in Chinese medicine kidneys is like your deeper energy it's like your trust fund it's like that account that you tap into during convalescence or as you get older and you're not as efficient with your eating and your sleeping etc and, and it's it's kind of like a valuable account but in New York people like to work 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 and play 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 and, and push really hard so a lot of people end up having what we call kidney deficiency Like some people call it like who aren't into Chinese medicine will call it adrenal exhaustion or like kind of adrenal fatigue Uh, which is kind of a misnomer but it, it, it conjures up the image of what's going on just pushing, pushing, pushing to the point of the second wind the third wind, the fourth wind and not quite replenishing energy um, okay. On your other pulse, your yin pulse, you do have that same wiry liver position. It's not quite as wiry, but I got it
2: from Zoe. <laughs> it's, contagious,
0: it's contagious, perhaps. <laughs> so Zoe's patient zero for the wiry liver pulse, <laughs> and you're and you're the next one. And then on your tongue. Um, uh, overall, the color of your tongue is a little bit purplish, so that's a stagnation uh, sign. So, for instance, wh- like when when you hear an acupuncturist say stagnation, uh, the first thing that should come to your mind is like I need to uh, do more cardiovascular exercise. I need to get my body active and moving and sweating and heart pounding and promote circulation.
1: But I didn't have that as much. God, I haven't- And I just worked in- out three days in <laughs> a row. She out like every day, every morning. So, <laughs> I you know,
0: I, I mean, out. what I would say to that is if you work out like three days a week or four days a week, and you have that slightly purplish color, Chinese medicine is not infallible. But if we're going to go take it at face value, it just means like it's really important for you. Like it's a tendency of your body. And sometimes the people who work out three, four, five, six times a week are self-medicating. They've already figured out that like, I feel much better when I work out and when I do not work out, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't put it into the terminology of chi stagnation or blood stagnation like we would, but perhaps that person has already figured out, I know I need to do this. And so, I, I mean, I would interpret that like that. The coating on your tongue is a little bit thicker overall. Like I said, uh, the coating relates to like the gunk in the pipes, the garbage in the body. You're alive, you're consuming food, you're burning fuel, everyone's making garbage. And so the idea is just to be getting it out you know efficiently and effectively if the coating is a little bit thick it it relates to either a slightly compromised ability to detox like maybe you're peeing you're pooing or your sweating is not Where it should be. It could also mean that your metabolism is a little bit sluggish in terms of like you're, you're, you know, you're pooing okay and you're peeing okay, but you're not extracting like fully separating the good from the bad, the needed from the unwanted Mm -hmm. stuff in your digestive system. And, or it could also be that you're putting a little bit too much yummy food into your diet, Mm -hmm. like the comforting, sweet, creamy, carby, whatever, like heavy, yummy, thicker stuff.
2: Highway to well, kids.
1: Highway to well. <laughs> <laughs> if we're not the picture I of him. Look at us. <laughs>
0: and so in case you're in case you're feeling nervous at this moment, I, I've seen like two or three baby Jesus tongues in the last 15 years. Like I I've almost Just never
1: pure as the driven snow. Yes, exactly. None so right. so
0: every, every, everyone has something on their tongue and pulse that we can find and work with. And it doesn't. And it's kind of interesting too, because sometimes people will say, like, does this mean I have cancer? Does this mean something is terribly wrong with me? And what I found is that the tongue and the pulse is very relative to the individual, except you guys. Your tongues and pulses are definitely connected. But, but like the tongue and the pulse findings are, are very individualized. So a cancer patient could actually have a better looking tongue or pulse than you or I who don't have cancer, because it's relative to that person's constitution mm. and what they're going through and how their body is dealing with it. So, an important part of that is that as I see a patient or an acupuncturist sees a patient, we take their tongue and pulse the first time, the second time, the third time, each time. And as as we see what changes and what shifts and what doesn't change on the tongue and pulse, we get a better idea of what's the constitutional issues or dilemmas that this person's health has. And and juxtaposed to that, what are the clouds passing in the sky? The sniffle or the cold she had last week, versus to the real metabolic issues that the person might have.
2: Fascinating. I mean, I know I, I did have some comfort cheese this weekend, which could account for the uh, mucus and
1: the sluggishness. You yeah, know. I would say cheese is my comfort cheese food. Cheese is definitely just a little cheese blanket. Yeah. That's all I need. I'm, I'm not. I'm not so. Uh, I'm not such a pasta comfort person. No. I'm more just like just. Bring cheese. on the cheese plate. Just give me a hunk of cheese. Oh
2: well, this is fascinating. Clearly we have some work to do. Oh we do. Now that our tongues and
1: our pulses All are right. connected. Fine. Um, yeah, there are a lot of areas to focus on at the moment. And thank you for pointing them out and explaining them. So you're welcome. It's super educational. See, this is what I mean. You're so thorough. Yes. And super helpful. It's such like it's such an amazing, you know, new and like insightful lens to look through mm-hmm. um that being acupuncture yes uh, but anyway so thank you paul for coming thank you so, and much, thank you so much for, for having here. me guys um sharing all of your knowledge
2: and we'll have a lot of this detail in the show notes so people can like look up and see what some of these mentions were of Chinese yeah. herbs and oils and things like that so yeah thanks so much for sharing your brain with us <laughs> welcome <laughs> Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839
1: or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.